How you going, mate? Good, good. Let's get straight into it. All right, well, I've got a really interesting idea for you today. I'm, I'm going to call it alternative milk, right? <laughs> Love um, the idea already. Keep going. Right. So what I want to do is basically stop using cow's milk and, and get the rest of society off cow's milk because cow's milk, well, and this is the problem, cow's milk's not really a great product. It has many problems. So I'll tell you how I'm going to solve that is basically I'm going to start a farm of Eland antelope, aka Oryx, and then I'm going to milk them and sell their milk. If you had told me before this app that your idea was to milk antelope, I would not have believed you. Okay. Well, well, well just well, for the... but before you go into it, what, so what is the problem with cow's milk? So you, you've just said that, you know, maybe from the nutrition side of it, you mm. know, and obviously cows do create a lot of greenhouse emissions. So there's, there's that part of it, but what are the, what are the problems? Cause I, I drink milk all the time. What's, what's the problems with it? Yeah. So, uh, cow's milk to your point, has no real nutritional value except for maybe calcium, which has been questioned in more recent times. And it also spoils very quickly. It doesn't have a long shelf life, right? There are two main problems with it. And then to your point, greenhouse gases about having lots of cows. I also think there's an over, I'm not sure if it's an oversupply, but there's a there's a saturation of cows in the world, if that makes sense. It's sort of like they dominate the industry. There's they've got a monopoly on milk. Cows, cows have a monopoly on milk. And so yeah. it's almost an opportunity, right, to divest. And as a society, I think it would be smart to divest into other animals. So we're not fully reliant on this one animal, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they have goat's milk. That, that's the only other animal I, I know that. I mean, I yeah. assume every animal has milk. So I know you're talking about antelope, but, you know, could you milk a cat, for example? Don't milk cats. <laughs> Don't do that. No. Well, right, yeah, sorry, that's a keep, good, keep good segue because I'll just explain for the listeners what an antelope or an eland antelope is. So basically, they're ba- a tan, reddish brown animal. Uh, with vertical white stripes on their sides. They both, both males and females also have horns that are sort of a spiral and they can reach about, and those horns are about 1.2 meters long. So it's quite, it's quite a big uh, animal that's found in Southern Africa, mostly, and where they are all already actually using it for, for milk. And they also use, uh, they get their hide as well and, and do all that sort of other animal produce as well, right? In, in, in Southern Africa, in the countries on the bottom of Africa. So and to your point about goats and um, sheep and that type of milk, it is part of the same family, same animal family, the Bovidae family uh, of animals as well. So it's actually within the same same family as goats and, okay. and that sort of thing as well. So, right. But what I want to do is, as, as I mentioned, right, it's the milk from these antelopes is better than cow milk. And I'll tell you why, because Eland milk has three times the fat and double the amount of protein than a dairy cow's milk. Okay. Yeah, 100%, right? And second point, it's been shown that when this milk is exposed to the air, and say the air was around 37 degrees, just open to the air, the That's, milk lasts- so 37 Celsius? Yeah, yeah, 37 degrees Celsius. The milk lasts up to eight months. Wow. Right? <laughs> yeah, so it's still drinkable after eight months. Yes. So, well, after eight months, it's not drinkable, just yeah, before eight months. It lasts eight months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So cow's milk would spoil in what, like a day or something if you left it out like that? Probably. So it's sort of like, why are we buying this product that is deliberately being made? And then what's that called when uh, products are made on purpose to fail? So you have to keep buying them like tires and Apple products. Uh, obsolescence. Plain obsolescence. obsolescence. Exactly. This is a big secret that I've noticed is that milk is, the, 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 the milk farms and purer milk and whoever they are, they're, they're doing planned obsolescence. So you so you think the the big milk conspiracy of 2023 is uh, planned obsolescence in milk? 
Well, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it's just not widely known, to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm no, deadly serious about that. Yeah. More nutritionists, longer uh, shelf life, so it kind of has those two. What about the emissions? Yeah, so I guess uh, I don't have any data on the emissions, but there's obviously less antelope than there is cows. So I just say on a, a sheer scale of uh, animals, they, there's going to be less emissions. Uh, but I don't know but on individual one animal. Because obviously to scale it up to the same number of, you know, the amount of supply of milk we have now, you'd have to, you know, scale up. That sounds wrong saying that for an animal, but scale up the number of animals to a similar level. So it'd be interesting to see what that, uh, you know. The I can, I can shine a little bit of light on that, Dan. I think, so if we did scale it up right, because we are constantly milking cows because their product is perishable, would have to would have less antelopes to have the same amount of milk. They are roughly the same size. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah so okay. there would probably be less emissions because we'd have to have less cows going through the factory cycle of having calves and dying, and then you know those calves turning because the milk would just last longer. So there would okay. be so less waste of the end product. Yeah, so better for the overall environment. Mm, net, net, exactly. net positive. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So some interesting things, just talking about the desirability of this product. It would be quite unique, obviously, and it would be pretty niche, and I think that could attract some customers in. Also, due to the nutritional value, I think it would attract some health-conscious consumers in. It's natural, it's organic, that sort of thing. I mean, that's also been shown through other milks, right? You know, with your oat milk, almond milk. What else is there? They're lactose-free and soy milk. And, you know, there's heaps of yeah. other alternatives that are claiming health reasons as well. So I think you could jump onto that. It's also, it could be rare as well. So I think this could be marked up pretty high as a potential luxury product to start. And if it is, you know, primarily coming out of South Africa, I think, so not South Africa, the country, but Southern Africa region, then I think that could also, you know, increase, increase the price there as well. So let's just go straight into feasibility. I think obviously the availability of the antelopes would be something you'd need to sort out. So to grow a farm of these Eland antelopes would be a bit of a job and you then have to make sure they're healthy and, you know, they have all the right conditions and that you raising a pretty unique animal. Uh, there's probably some regulatory considerations in there as well about permits and owning exotic animals and then also milking them. <laughs> so I think that that's probably something to consider. And then there's the, the whole IP and, and the, the process of actually milking the animal and, and then transporting that and pasteurizing it and making it human consumable on mass scale. I think that's a whole a bit of a learning curve that you'd have to get in. But once you had that, that's IP that, you're, that the company would own. Just thinking about that, Dan, I know I've been talking for a while here, but that just gave me an idea for exotic pets. I think there's, <laughs> okay. there's an opportunity to, to own exotic pets. We'll talk about that in another episode though. Will, will you be milking them? That's yeah. the question. <laughs> I just go to my milk store and it's all different <laughs> pets. And <laughs> Yeah. You've just got a, a, a pantry full of different exotic pets and you just kind of you know milk it as required. Milk on demand. <laughs> Oh man, exactly. Yeah, and that, that's uh, pretty much yeah. You know the the feasibility there in terms of is this a good idea viability? I think it is a good idea. Good idea, except yeah, it would just take a bit of work to work out cost and pricing. You've got to evaluate the cost of acquiring it, and then you know maintaining the the sort of farm of these antelope and and then make sure that you're marking up prices correctly. It's a pretty pretty low margin because yeah, you look at you know there's, there's always news about supermarkets squeezing the the farmers on price, and you know already you know three liters of milk is what five dollars. So, you know, I imagine the scale is important for that because, you know, obviously setting up the farm, the more cows or the, the more animals you have on there, the more efficient it is. So that would be an interesting balance between, you know, having a smaller herd or, or smaller supply, um, but still having those same overhead costs. But I suppose you can probably offset that with that 
you know, premium price point, at least initially. Yeah, totally agree. I think we're definitely on the same page there. So because of that, I think proximity to the animals would be a good place to start. So if you are in Southern Africa, this is probably a business that you should start looking at, maybe do an econ brand or something globally. Start from there because you've got the animals near you. It's probably a little bit easier than shipping them over to Australia or wherever or doing it out of Monado, South Australia, where I went to the safari park and saw them and then came up with this idea. <laughs> you know, They're okay. not going to really bring them for you. So like the exotic pet thing before when you were at Monado, you didn't go and milk one of these antelopes did you just a, just a <laughs> test that you didn't I, do a, a, an mvp over there i, I didn't uh they were looking at me They're through the good. box though <laughs> they had, they <laughs> because kept, they looked at you that's why you thought i am gonna milk you that, that was, that was <laughs> good yeah the, the guy was very very serious about staying the bus patrick <laughs> yeah but yeah this could be a new eco- economy for southern africa could be a new new market for them to own yeah so what, what do you think generally of the idea yeah i think it's good i, I think the biggest challenge is probably in that desirability you know it, it's a different type of milk i think people are used to cow's milk we've been drinking it for you know however many hundreds of years probably you know, if, if I asked you to drink cat's milk, you know, you'd probably go, oh, that's, that's a bit gross. So it's antelope milk, similar. I don't know. I think it would take a little bit to get over that. You know, I think beyond that, we've kind of talked to the other points. I think the business model side is straightforward, but it's one of those low margins, high scale or high volume, which I think would be a bit of a balance here, given that it's probably a niche product to at least start with. But yeah, that'd be my two points. Yeah, no worries. Sounds good. In the interest of time, what, what have you got for us today, Dan? I'm going to switch it up. And uh, I'm not going to be talking about antelopes or exotic pets, but instead I'm going to be talking about a meeting room AI, right? So awesome. you're in a corporate setting. Um, I work in a, in a corporate office and I have for most of my career. So lots of people, lots of meeting rooms, but finding the meeting room is often difficult. And I know this sounds like a, a first world problem, but it's really time consuming. You need to find a meeting room, even just for yourself is hard, but if you need multiple people trying to find a time, find a meeting room. If you need specific technology, so you know you need um, video conferencing, the room size and capacity and things like that. You know, I think it, from a calendar sense, some people block out time, but they could actually meet. They're just blocking out time to work. Uh, and there's people outside your company as well. So you can't see their calendar availability. So all of this takes a lot of time. There's a lot of back and forth. And you know, for me, I don't care where the meeting happens. I just need a room. If it's yep. a meeting room I've never been to before, don't care. I just need a, I just need a room. So the thinking or the idea here is basically you input the meeting requirements. So that could be the number of people, the tech requirements. And what it will do is basically go through all the, all the inputs, all the requirements. It'll find a meeting room for you. It'll based on those requirements, find the right room. It'll book the room. It'll send the invites and it'll kind of manage all of that side. There could be other things as well, like urgency or importance, which could actually reschedule meetings. So if you've got a meeting with five people from different areas, and this is a super important meeting or super urgent meeting, it might reschedule some of the other people's meetings they already have so that you can all meet and find a time together. Or if you add an agenda or talking points, it could actually read the context and perhaps find the room based on the context of the meeting or even set the time. So it looks at the agenda and says, okay, well, that should take 45 minutes. So we'll book in Mm. 50 minutes, right? Because typically everyone just books in the standard 30 minutes or an hour, right? And it's often I feel that we're, we're kind of filling the meeting just to fill up that time. And meetings almost always go the full (laughs) length of the meeting. Is that because our meetings always take exactly that time or are we just filling the time to an extent? So (laughs) for somebody trying to find time with an executive, very busy, hard to find, it's often an email to an EA and then there's back and forwards to try and find a time. But maybe this is an opportunity for almost a a meeting request in a sense, which again will automatically find that time. It'll book the time, we'll send the invites and kind of do all of that. That's the idea. Um, Love it. I think it's it's a no-brainer. I think it's relatively straightforward. You know, we know that this 
setting up meetings is time consuming, inefficient. It's annoying at times. You know, I've had times where literally setting up a meeting will take three days because there's 10 people and you're waiting for people to come back with time slots. It's just, it's a pain. And I think for EAs and assistants, again, similar calendar management is probably a large part of their jobs. And so something like this maybe can can take that off their plate. I found a couple of startups or businesses that kind of do this already, but not exactly the same. One called Reclaim AI, which yep. is probably more of a personal calendar organizer. So it'll connect with um, other programs you might have like Asana. Um, it'll sync multiple calendars, so a personal work calendar, and it finds time for meetings, habits, and breaks. So there is one part of it there, but it sounds like a more broad, general calendar tool. The other one for external is ones like Calendly. A, a meeting requestor can see the times that you're free and then just request that time. It'll automatically book it, send you invites and things like that. So that's really good, but there's still manual parts of that. I suppose what this idea is, is more about finding the meeting room and booking a meeting room based on the inputs and the requirements. Feasible I think it assumes that the organization has some kind of online room booking system already, but I think most medium to large businesses probably already have that. Even co-sharing spaces and places like that, you know, most of them have some kind of online or electronic booking system in place. And I don't think we're talking about a whole new calendar here. I think that would almost be impossible to get people to, to, to adopt, but probably more an API or a plugin that you know just works with existing tools like Outlook, Google Calendar, and things like that. I think it, it's really just building the tool, building the backend and the, the intelligence, the smarts of, okay, what are the inputs? What are the parameters? And then how do we best assess how to pick the room based on that? But I think the booking and the invite part is pretty straightforward. It's just you know a little bit of automation. And I think yep. from a financial or viability standpoint, again, I think pretty straightforward, either a flat subscription fee you know, per month, per year, or even a fee for an API call. So every time a room is booked, it's five cents or whatever it might be, or, or both. You have both options. Look, I think it does solve this problem in larger organizations. I've been in a few, and this is definitely a problem, not just for me, for others. I think you'd want to quantify, if you were selling this, quantify you know, how much time is being wasted by setting up a meeting and then turn that into dollars uh, and then really compare those dollars saved with the cost of this service. And I think you could pretty easily see that it outweighs, you know, let's say you're talking 500 bucks a month for a, a subscription. You know, I think you, time wasted setting up meetings across the whole business would easily rack up into the thousands or tens of thousands per month. Like I think the value exchange would be, you know, it would be quite obvious and quite a good value proposition for, for a potential buyer. And look, in general, businesses, they're both easier to sell to and harder to sell to compared to consumers or going direct. You know, they've got the money, so yep. check, but they can be complex to sell to. So particularly for technology, you know, multiple stakeholders, you've got incumbent software, you've got existing processes. And it's one of those things that you probably get the sigh and, uh it, this is going to take too long. It's, it's an overwhelming problem. So you need mm -hmm. to make it super easy, you know, super easy to subscribe and super easy to connect and set up and share that within the organization. That's the idea. I've talked straight for about five minutes there, but yeah, what that's, do you reckon? That's really good. I think uh, you're solving a clear pain point. I think you've, very, you've articulated it very well and I've experienced it myself as well. And I think we all have, if you've worked in any organization where you need to book meetings, right? Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant uh, solution. And I agree, it's going to be an enterprise sale sort of B2B sort of thing. But I think, yeah, the model for that is just getting internal people to adopt without going straight for an official agreement, getting them to adopt to a small subscription for their small team or whatever. Yeah, and then like it branches out within, yeah, within it branches out within the organization. That's the model at the moment. And yeah, really good idea. I think API calls could be interesting for revenue stream. And I was the other one I thought was, you know, change it up. What's the business model innovation here? And I thought maybe you know, meetings booked, uh, get charged or something like that could be interesting. Not sure. Yeah. Well, I think the based on the API or the bookings, it's 
potentially scalable. Whereas obviously with the flat fee, it's a kind of all we can eat type model. So yeah, I think you'd, you'd have to explore both, but I think you could build this pretty easily. And I, I yeah. say that without having actually built a, a meeting room AI tool before, mm. but I feel that it would be relatively straightforward. And you're right though, it's the selling and the adoption. That'd be the challenge, I think in this one. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Yeah, love it. I think we're running All out right, of time. So we've got, yeah, we've got uh, antelope milk and meeting room AI. Let's get right, to thanks, it. Thanks Dan, I'll, I'll talk to you next week. All right, see ya.